Hello, welcome back to another episode of The Human Side of Learning and Talent Technology. We're back for another great week of discussion around learning uh, topics and trends and what's going on in, in, in learning and development across um, our organization, your organization, and a couple other organizations that we have uh, an awesome insight into today, or one very large organization that you've probably heard of. So we have a special guest. My name is Bennett Jensen. Uh, we're back with Tiffany Faulkner and Dave Selickson from Blue Water. Dave's joining us again after taking a few weeks off while Chris came back, and now we got Dave again, which is awesome. So welcome back, Dave. Thanks for being with us. And today we also have a very special guest, uh, our first guest from outside of the Blue Water world, which I'm really excited about. Um, and we have uh, our, our good friend and, and, and colleague or client and, and um, someone we've known for a while now, Lisa Edstrom, who is the... Global HCP Engagement and Compliance Leader at 3M, 3M Healthcare. And um, Lisa, how are you today? And, and welcome welcome to our podcast. Yeah, thanks, Bennett. I'm doing well, thanks. And uh, excited to be here. Looking forward to the discussion. Absolutely. We're excited too. And, and uh, looking forward to kind of diving into what's going on at 3M, what's been changing over the last 12 months uh, from the technology and process and just overall learning and development perspective. So thanks so much for being here. Uh, so Lisa, what, before we get started, w- would you mind kind of telling us a little bit about your role at 3M and, and kind of what you've been what you've been up to over the last year or so? Yeah, sure. Um, well, a couple years ago, but actually about two years ago, I took on a new role within a new organization in the healthcare business group at 3M um, focused on global healthcare compliance. Uh, Previous to the organization launching, we had really relied on our corporate ethics and compliance organization to help uh, keep us on the straight and narrow and provide education and training. And realized that as our healthcare business began to grow, that we needed um, a specialized organization really focused on healthcare compliance Um, And certainly within the context of the big umbrella and 3M's overall um, ethics and compliance, but also as um, regulations change and increase um, and our global footprint increases, um, having that specialization uh, was really needed. And so I took on a new role um, working within that organization. Uh, working specifically on compliance with our engagement with external healthcare professionals who we contract with to come in and do uh, focus groups with us or do um, advisory boards, uh, speak, do podium speeches on our behalf. Um, And certainly a big part of what um, these KOLs or HCPs do is educate um, our customers and prospective customers around um, process improvement, quality improvement um, in the healthcare business group. So it's it's been a fun two years, a lot of learning um, and uh, a lot of uh, technology uh, implementation and changes. Great. Yeah, we look forward to kind of diving into that a little bit further. Um, so, Dave, question for you. Um, I know you initially um, were, were part of the team working with 3M um, and, and kind of building out the relationship between Blue Water and 3M. And, and as our listeners know, we always kind of like to go into uh, a little bit of a fun discussion or banter before we kind of dive into the, uh, to the actual fun stuff. Uh, so, Dave, why don't you... 
tell us a little bit about kind of the, the building the relationship with 3M, but also specifically about the opportunity we had, and I think you had as well, to take Lisa to one state fair and and another state fair that Lisa is really close to. Kind of, you kind of tell us, get us started there. You bet. You so, um, yeah, that's a good story. So we initially engaged to help them uh, uh, upgrade um, their learning and talent, uh, their ta- learning technology. Um, there. And um, as part of that process, we invited Lisa to come down and do some strategy whiteboarding. And so we had her down at the Blue Water offices and we we worked to coordinate that schedule so that it coincided with our company's annual trip to the Texas State Fair. So um, it was, uh, I'd be, you know, it was not coincidental. Uh, it was purposeful. <laughs> um, we knew that we were signing out and hidden down there. Uh, and uh, it was a beautiful day that day. Um, and she got to come down to the state fair. And I, I'd like to say she always talked about how great the state fair is uh, where she is up in Minnesota, but we, we felt like ours was better. So um, she got to experience both. And I guess, I guess maybe he still has an opinion about which one she thinks is better. Uh, unfortunately, the one thing that Lisa did not do, uh, and, and she doesn't know I'm about to say this, but she never did invite us to come join her for the state fair <laughs> in Minnesota. So, um, so she didn't reciprocate that. Um, but, uh, so well, Lisa, which one's better? Actually, I have to say, and you know, I knew this was going to come up. So I, I went out and did a little research on, on the internet and, uh, I I'm sorry, Dave, but Minnesota has it, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we, it's inter- it's an interesting question because when you say the biggest, uh, is it the biggest state fair or the best state fair? And those are two different things. And um, Minnesota actually is the biggest in terms of daily attendance, uh, but we don't run anywhere near as long as the Texas State Fair. Minnesota the State Fair lasts 12 days. Um, but I have to say, you know, you guys have more deep fried foods than we do. Um, it was I think the first and only time I'll experience deep fried chicken noodle soup. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think we have a little bit more variety and I think we also have, you know, the miracle of birth center, which is where you get to go see all the little baby animals and they're born and they're, you know, so, um, yeah, we've got, we've got a few things going on Texas up here. Yeah, we're at Blue Water. We're it seems like most of us are state fair junkies, and, and always I mean, as a, as an organization, we always put together an afternoon where we all go together. And then I'll I myself I go every year, probably one or two times outside of that too. So it's always fun to hear, you know. Especially I've heard about the Minnesota State Fair for a long time. I have some family from Minnesota, from the, the Minneapolis St. Paul area, so they've talked about it, and it's it's interesting to hear from that perspective. So, so that being said, Lisa, I you know, appreciate the, the, the fun um, discussion around state fairs because uh, it, it really kind of helps lead into kind of, you know, our engagement and, and just overall what you're, um, what you're tasked with at 3M and just kind of providing a great experience for, for learners and customers and, and just making sure that they're taken care of. So tell us about, uh, you know, I was going to kind of first off deep dive into um how do you approach learning and development for such a large audience? Who are you trying to really, um, you know, make sure is, is um, you know, compliant or make sure is, is training yeah. and learning? And, and, and what, what, is the, what is the 
the tool or, or you know what what kind of processes do you use to make sure you're providing a, a consistent um, and engaging process for that large audience? Mm-hmm. So today, um, my focus is primarily internal. So education and training is taking place with 3M um, colleagues around the world. Um, in my previous role, when I was working uh, closely with Blue Water and learning management systems was um, an external focus. So looking at, you know, what do our customers need? How do we engage customers as part of, certainly as part of a a compliance and education and training, but also, you know, there's a marketing component in there. And how are we engaging our customers? Is it easy to find things? Is it a, a good experience? So a lot of emphasis on the user experience, the interface. Um, and I would say that internally um, and, and the approach this last two years with compliance um, really borrows from that or um, it, it's not that different in terms of looking at an internal customer and what is it that motivates them to learn? And certainly when you talk about this last year, and I expect we'll talk a lot about, you know, the differences in this last year and who could have anticipated this um, and relying on on uh, really hoping that people have an intrinsic kind of internal motivation to learn and to approach training and education because we're not doing that that face-to-face. We're not, um, I'm not flying to China. I'm not flying to to Europe or or South America and engaging with the team and saying, you know, what works, what doesn't work and, and, and driving motivation from kind of that external or extrinsic, um, extrinsic, (laughs) you know what I mean, um, perspective. So um, I think we've had to be more creative, um, definitely, uh, more flexible, um, and a little bit more innovative in terms of really the instructional design in thinking about how we want to deliver content, what is going to engage people, how long do they want to stay on a, on a computer um, or right. on a on a desktop or a a laptop or a phone or anything. And, you know, you and I, we all have experienced this at the end of the day. The last thing you want to do is spend an hour doing online training because you're tired of being online all day. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's a number of different factors that come into, and, and I will say, I don't know that we've found um, the perfect intersection of those things. I think we're still learning. Um, but I don't think that learning is going to stop as we come out of the pandemic and people have changed so much in terms of what motivates them, how they like to approach work, how they like to approach education and training. And I think we'll also see the after effects of that. And I think that will continue to change and challenge us in terms of being innovative, not so much with our systems, with our technology, as it is with how do we use that te- technology. Hey Lisa, I yeah. just have a, a quick. Oh, sorry, Ben. If I might, I just have a quick follow-up there. Um, if that's okay. Just so you said that you've been able to innovate and some things have worked. Like I'm just curious whether it worked or not. What what have you tried? And and what seems to be the the one or two or three things that that you believe are working that have now become staples? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I I think is working is looking at content. 
um, in smaller chunks. So that micro content um, bits and pieces, like let's not bite off this whole section or this whole chapter of the book. Let's take a you know, a couple pages of the book or the couple pages of the chapter and see what we can do with that and make it short, make it funny, make it, you know, interactive if you can. Um, And really moving away from these, you know, we're going to do a 45 minute webinar or you're going to sit and um, flip through pages and take quizzes. You know, those things, we still have those, but I think we have to make it short and sweet and engaging So that I think has been one thing that works. The other thing that I'm just realizing um, is we tend to, and 3M is a, you know, a global, global organization. So we have employees from all over the world. And a lot of those employees that are taking this training uh, speak English, but English is not their first language. Being, I think, a little bit more mindful um, about what language, um, can we put this in and really having a lot of our content translated Um, this year, we translated a ton of our content um, so that it's a little bit easier. It's a little bit more personalized um, and we're not expecting people to, to go above and beyond um, as much as I think we have in the past. Great. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say, I mean, what you were saying before and just then it's, it's you know even before the pandemic, it's learning is is always like like you said changing. You know you, you get, it's always trial and error. Um, mm-hmm. I think and and, you, and even these last twelve months have been more trial and error than ever, and kind of figuring out what your learners are doing and how they're responding and how how you can adjust on the fly. But um, I think that's the great and challenging thing about this industry and, and this this focus is is how trends and generations and, and technology is changing so fast that, you know, training is, is always going to be uh, a, a necessity, but it's mm-hmm. not really sure in six months or 12 months if what you're doing now will be relevant. Uh, and it's, it's, it's exactly. it kind of keeps you on your toes and then throw a pandemic in that where everyone goes from, <laughs> from being out and about to, to not, you know, in a span of a probably what, two or three days, essentially right. cr- across the globe. And just can't imagine, imagine the challenges that, or at least the, the complexities that that threw into um, your your well, scope of, of learning. Yeah, and I think if if you sit back and reflect um, on how we work, you know, just basically how we work has changed. And so mm-hmm. when you say, you know, the way that we work, um, moving from kind of this um, synchronous you know, way of, of being in the office at the same time and doing the work at the same time to this really, and, and, you know, we just talked about this this morning at 3M within our, um, our group as um, kind of the difference between synchronous work and asynchronous. And, you know, we talk about that in education a lot, but it's really turning into the way we work. And so if we're working, you know, with a much more flexible, which I think is fantastic. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it took a pandemic to um, get us thinking a little bit more, you know, what's the opportunity in the, in the challenge. Um, but, you know, as we do those things, then, how do we model and shape our um, education and training around the changing way that people just work and approach work? So I have a question for you. 
it, you know, we've talked about on our podcast and some of our webinars about the shift, right? Especially <laughs> moving from classroom into to online learning in different ways. You you talked about you guys have worked through that. You've also put a big focus on um, translating languages. What do you think is going to come back? Like, what are the things that when we're all able to move around and be face to face and operate um, without a pandemic to worry about? Yeah. What do you think is going to come back? Do you think classroom training is going to be a thing? Or do you think we're going to continue to move in this, you know, micro learning, chunk it up, take it when you can kind of environment? Yeah, I, you know, and this is me. I think that there will be, um, there will be face-to-face, you know, training and and education that will evolve into a hybrid model, which is, you know, and again, I'm a big believer if you look at K-12 education, you know, there's a lot of things going on there that, you know, are very, very similar and they're in the same place. You know, I, I talked to my, my kids are out of school, but I talked to friends that have kids in school and they'll have one. In fact, my, my two nieces, one of them goes to school because she can, she wants to, and the other one stays at home and does online learning because they have that choice, mm-hmm. um, which I think is also fantastic. And, you know, we're talking about that at work, you know, as 3Mers, we'll have opportunity to to go back to work. I don't know that it'll ever be five days a week full time. I don't know. But um, if you really want to stay home and you can do that and work that out, I think that's going to be more available. So, again, you know, if you look at what are the trends and then you you um, kind of lay that over onto training and education, a lot of similarities. So I, I don't think it'll ever go back to, I don't I, think any of us do. I don't think we, any of us think, you know, we're people talking about going back to normal and it's like, you know, there is no normal we're, no, we're moving phase. It's different and it, it's right. figuring out what it is. And we've it, discovered what we can do. I mean, we're just, we've discovered what we're capable of. Right. That's what I was going to say is a lot of eyes have been open to, Hey, you know what? We can work flexible schedules and still maintain productivity or get our work done. Um, same thing with training, just because I'm not in a classroom doesn't mean I'm not getting my training complete, or I'm not not taking care of my compliance requirements. I'm just doing it in a different way at a different yeah. time. It's also a different way for uh, business leaders to manage it, right? It's, it's right, different right. when you're managing a lot of heavy classroom training. Now you kind of have both. Maybe I'm I'm picturing, and I could be wrong, it's just my own personal opinion, I expect to see kind of both, right? What you were explaining about, you know, K through 12 right now, am I in classroom or not? I I think there's still that need for humans to connect um, without it being behind. Right, right. But, But there's a way to do that that it's not the same as it always was before. And it'll be, I think those classroom um, engagements will likely be a little more innovative, Um, Mm -hmm. may even be leveraging the content that would otherwise be available e-learning, but within the classroom. Um, So it's, I appreciate your take on kind of, you see kind of maybe there's, there's going to be a flexible um, approach as to how you complete your training, your learning, your, your education within the organization. And, you know, I think I was thinking about this a little bit more earlier today about, you know, the different types of learners, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty visual learner, which is fine, you know, I can still 
still learn visually watching um, and watching a screen or, you know, auditory, you're still, you know, hearing things and what is it? Um, reading, writing, you know, and then um, kinesthetics. So like that whole, that's where I think, you know, if you learn, if you're very much a hands-on learner, mm -hmm. that is going to require some creativity. And, and, and there's certainly areas, I mean, I'm in the healthcare business, so there's certainly places within healthcare where you really have to have that hands-on interactive training. Um, and so, yeah, there, there, there will be that, but, but I agree. I think it'll look different. Definitely. I, I think the, it's very interesting to see, like you mentioned, just that when we do go back to what won't be normal, looking back from 2019, but going forward, it'll be our new normal is the idea of the hybrid model. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll get back to some kind of normalcy that we feel like was before the pandemic for some people, but then there's other people out there that will leverage technology or, or different ways of doing things that will get the same experience, but from a, from home or from a, a virtual location. Yeah. Um, it's just like, you know, the, the, I think there will still be people that, that pick up their groceries curbside from ever, forever now, you know, but there's exactly. going to be a lot, a lot of people that still go to the grocery store and want to walk through the aisles. So. Right. You it's, know what? It's, it's, they want to touch the apple before they, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. So technology I want to pick up the avocado before I put it in my cart, you know? Absolutely. Technology has enabled us to do some, some really unique things that are going to impact us forever through this pandemic. But, but that yeah, there's, there's definitely the audience that will want to get on a plane and go to, uh, you know, a, a classroom session, um, you know, in the future when they can. And, and want to sit through that because of, the, of that experience of being being connected with people and being yeah. face to face. So how, how do you? I was just going to say, how how does 3M kind of plan for that? Is there a plan? Or is that already happening? Um, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. So um, some of that is already happening, um, and we talk about it particularly. You know, working now with our key opinion leaders and our healthcare professionals, um, it's been kind of a um, this past year has been a quiet year, so to speak, which was good. We had some new technology to implement and mm -hmm. we often talk about how, you know, had we been full scale with education events and contracts that, you know, it would have been a very difficult year in terms of standing up a new system and, you know, keeping one foot in that and one foot in the day-to-day -day operations. We really had a reprieve and time to, to look at the system, um, development and implementation. And now, um, actually, uh, in China and a few other places, um, and, and here in the US, I mean, people are starting to travel, we're starting to see, um, see that start to come back. Um, and I think what I was going to say is, you know, isn't, isn't it a good thing, though? I mean, I, I look forward to the opportunity for, um, for human interaction, you know, for face-to-face -face interaction. And I think, you know, once again, you look at, you know, the K-12 world and how they talk about, you know, the importance and now of social engagement and social interaction for all these kids who are, you know, starting to feel depressed and, and removed from, from others. And I'm like, you know, that's no different to me than work. It's, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a very... <laughs> very extroverted person. I get a lot of my energy from other people. And so it's difficult to, 
to stay home sometimes every day for this amount of time. You know, I'd like to go back into the office. I'd like to go to a conference or an event and and get back to that that engagement. I'd love to go back to the state fair. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> and and invited and inviting Blue Water and inviting to Blue Water yeah. to come too. Yeah, so, uh, or or no, not Blue Water. Just Bennett, Tiffany, and Dave. Uh, <laughs> okay, there you go. Let's just be, let's be specific. But but so, you know, uh, I mean, we 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 talk about. Um, we talk about the the way, you know, how to, and we've all talked about this for a long time, you know, all the different types of learners and how people approach learning and everything. And, you know, I think if you are a more of a kinesthetic learner and, you know, it's got to be a really hard year. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Yeah. And I think like businesses have to make decisions about what training is, is so critical that the way to learn it is best done live. Yeah, and, and we've had to we've had to do things other ways, but like I, you know, I kind of want my surgeon like <laughs> preparing to do my surgery not virtually, right? Like right, I want, right, I want him, right. You know, whatever that way is. Um, and and I've you know, so I I think it's like some of those things. Like we have some some airline clients, for example, that you know you you can't show as a as a flight attendant that that you can lift the door and open the chute and slide down it unless right. you're in a room and open and you can't really simulate that. In, in a right. room, but, right. but I, we do have one client that actually did a CPR class virtually and they, you know, I was just shipped, thinking about that today. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they shipped dolls to everyone who signed up and then, and then already had like a self-labeled box to send it back kind yeah. of like Amazon stuff. And it was really simple to do, but everyone had their own doll on the camera virtually and, they, uh-huh. and the instructor was on and could see them doing their thing. And, and I thought that was pretty creative because I, you know, that's something normally that you would think is in person. We, we've had some people sure. do happy hours and they've actually pre-shipped wine and wine glasses you know, to the I people went attending. To a fundraiser event that did that. Yeah. But, you know, our oral care, this was even pre-pandemic. Our oral care business had um for the, the dentist, I, I believe it was the orthodontist. Don't, you know, I'm not the expert on this, but I know they did that where there was a box of, you know, the materials and what you needed and they shipped those out ahead of time so that the, I, gosh, I don't remember if it was dentist or orthodontist, but, but it was an oral care practitioner that would have that content ahead of time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think this has given, you know, given us an opportunity to think, um, a little bit differently and, and probably, you know, kind of back to what are the things we're doing different is in some ways we're making learning a little bit more individualized. You know, we're, we're recognizing that not everybody learns the same way. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and and uh, I think one of the things that we talked about before um, and that I wanted to bring up is kind of related to that is around, uh, you had mentioned that for a while there, you were kind of looking for that, that one-stop shop, that, that single place. Oh, yeah. For learning, um, and now as we've gone through the last twelve months, and probably even before that, and, and like you said, individualizing learning, and and a big buzzword right now is is, is the learning ecosystem, and really mm-hmm. finding the right tools that can plug into your existing kind of mainframe, if you will, um, and, and and looking at how different tools and technologies can support that individualized learning. So, has has your group uh, been able to take advantage of kind of finding some some different technologies out there that? that support the individualized learning and just the different ways you're doing things, but also really work well with your main LMS technology? Yeah, sure. Um, 
So, you know, stepping back was in, and this goes back, um, I, when I first came to 3M seven years ago, the big initiative, the goal was, we're going to stand up a LMS, it's going to be global, it's going to meet mm-hmm. the needs of the healthcare business. Well, and 3M is much bigger than a healthcare business. We have industrial and um and consumer and um, safety. And so all of these other businesses um, were going to go on the system too. So then it turned into, it's not just all of healthcare in 80 different countries, it's all of 3M in 80 different countries. And, you know, it's, it, it was, um, it was, when you want to standardize at that scale and that scope, it's, it's a, it's a very, very difficult thing to do because you're, it's almost like a race to the bottom. It's like, well, what's the bare minimum that will support all of these requirements. And I think what we found out is that it was very, very difficult to meet the needs of our customers by doing one approach and one global standard system. Now, not to say that that LMS isn't useful in some cases in some areas, but mm-hmm. it became and and you know, Dave and Chris and I actually talked about the ecosystem when I went down to Blue Water and um, they really kind of introduced me to this concept of the learning, you know, the systems ecosystem and where were we going to connect. And and so from there, we really took off and started looking at what are the, some of the other plugins and, and things that we could do um, that complemented that learning management system. You know, what did apps look like? What did um, content management systems look like? And how do we... Um, how do we build that ecosystem? And that's a work in, in, in progress. I mean, it's, it's not going to stop. It's like, you know, you mentioned, I think things change all the time with education and learning and training and we change products and we change customers or we gain customers. And so it's just got to be so, so much more flexible than one rigid standard. Um, So that was a big, I think a big learning. And as I, as I shifted over into um, our uh, our compliance, our end-to-end engagement system, which isn't a, you know, it's not a customer-facing or external-facing platform, but it's very much a system that's implemented front-to-back and and standardized across the business and, uh, and around the globe. And once again, trying to standardize that and make it one solution is very, very difficult to do because there's different laws, there's different rules, there's different contracts. And so I think there's there's a place. Um, what I didn't mention is 3M also has, you know, I, I worked and worked with Dave on our customer-facing solutions. Um, we also have internal solutions for 3M and we have multiple solutions depending on what the content is. A lot of our content right now in 3M is spending a lot of time on diversity and inclusion, like many organizations. Mm-hmm. You know, what do we do around diversity and inclusion? What are we doing around sustainability? How are we educating and engaging our employees? And as our, you know, some of our social values and, and our community values change, our content is changing too. And so, it, you know, it's a really interesting time. So, Lisa, I'm kind of intrigued by, uh, by what you said about this sort of give and take in trying to centralize in the race to the bottom, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, love that, I love that phrase. It was great. Um, if, if you had a room full of, you know, 20 other business leaders who were looking at, you know, centralizing versus remaining decentralized, like what advice would you give them? What 
what learns are there? What, what tips or things that, that you think might help them to consider as they try to think about, is this, is it worth the journey? Uh, you know, what are the things that we might not know that we don't know those kinds of things? Great question. I think, I think what I would say is, I mean, we all want to drive efficiencies and economies of scale and, and having one LMS and everybody using it the same way. But I think it has a lot to do with understanding where your customers are coming from and what your customer expectations are. And I would say, you know, you want to err on the side of what's going to meet the needs of your customers, but you want to balance that with what's going to be efficient and effective, easy to use on the inside, because you don't want something that's so complex that your, your users, your employees, you know, your teams can't use it. But when you try to push a standard to the extent that I think we originally had hoped to, you lose the flexibility with your customers. And, you know, for an organization like 3M, and and we're a little bit unique in in the sense of how many different industries we're in, but if you're driving training around automotive aftermarket products and services and dental and orthodontia, you know, you're, you're dealing with very different learners, very different schedules, time, approaches to learning, and, and you have to be able to deliver that. And I think it's a balance with, you know, driving a global, a global standard, not to mention, again, you know, the language barriers and, and just the different way, you know, we learn so differently from each other just in the U.S. alone, and, and then you compound that and add um add a global approach to it and it's a hard thing to do to 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 standardize i think you just have to be flexible and again you know we talk about innovation all the time so partnering with different people you know i think one of the things you introduced us to dave was you know different people that can plug in different holes or gaps that we saw in organizations that were maybe smaller and a little bit more flexible and innovative and had some really great ideas. I mean, there's some of those organizations that that we met through Blue Water, you know, four years ago, we're still working with at 3M. So, so it sounds like when it comes to the idea of standardization is if you have a large, uh, complex, uh, wide-reaching organization, it's it's probably unlikely that one size will fit all. Work to standardize where you can, but be flexible to still meet the needs of your customers and even, you know, whatever the the requirements are for your various locations and and <laughs> markets. Yeah, much more succinct way of saying what I what I was just verbalizing, but you know, I can't tell you how many times we start an engagement with a client and they're like, we want one standard and it's you get to talking to the client and to their different parts of the business. And it it quickly becomes apparent that one standard won't work for everybody because business itself is just too different. Um, You know, me and my husband will never wear the same size shoes. So one, one pair of shoes is never going to be enough. Right. Right. Good analogy. Yep. Yep. Right. And, and, you know, I think we tried really hard, but it was like, it was mostly kind of like, what do you have to give up? What do you have to give up? What do you have to give up? And and for healthcare, we were a little bit ahead of the rest of the organization. And it's like, no, we don't want to give this up. We don't want to give this up. Like, this is important to our customers. And, um, you know, I think as 3M, we got caught up too in this notion that we wanted to, and it, it's important. It's a good thing to drive um, 
messaging around the brand and drive the brand, but but our brand is even different to different markets. And, um, you know, when you talk about the 3M brand in healthcare, it's much different than when you're talking about the 3M brand in construction. You know, people identify with different products and different services. So, you know, it's hard to say, well, we're going to deliver all of the education on those in, different, in, in the same way because they are very different. Right. So in your process, oh, sorry, Dave. In, I, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna go right through that. <laughs> um, in your process to standardize, I obviously you guys found that one size won't fit all. But did you guys find efficiencies, um, even as you were bringing the bringing your different business partners or businesses through that process? Did you guys find efficiencies and really improve or streamline? In, in oh yeah, yeah. I think um, you know one of the. One of the interesting things that happens, and you guys will appreciate this, um, and I think it goes a lot to kind of, you know, your place in the market is, you know, there's systems and you can look at, you know, how do we best use system A to get from point A to point, you know, from A to Z. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a whole lot of human process that happens in between that. And so things like... um, well, even within design thinking now, there's ecosystem thinking and um, and journey mapping and things like that. And, you know, I think that's what really helped us was to sit back and say, people want to jump into, you know, what is the system going to do to fix our process? And, you know, right now where I'm at, people are like, well, what is the system going to do? And I'm like, the system can do what you need it to do. You need to tell me what the process is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think... Um, that's what happened for us was understanding that you don't look to, you don't really look to technology to solve a systems process, or I mean, a process issue. I mean, if you have a business process and it's not working, don't throw a, don't throw a system at it, you know, because it's not until you examine the process and the end and then the gaps and what you want, you'll never know what system you want, you know, and what, and what will work for you. Did that make sense? One hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. I was going to say. I think once upon a time we may have had a motto or something around here about how licenses don't solve business problems. So um, just buying the piece of technology isn't going to solve the problem. It's usually there's a process wrapped around it. It's got to be evaluated. The technology yeah. is going to do whatever whatever you wanted to. I mean, really, that's how flexible technology is now. Whatever you needed to do, it'll do. But you've got to really sit back and talk about what do you really need it to do? What's the objective? Um, and, and how does that operate within your business? And, and I feel like a lot of people right. are straight into technology and there's a, there's a whole business layer before you ever get there. Yeah. It's, it's like right now is, you know, when can we get this system, this system launched so that we're compliant? And it's like, well, the system isn't going to make us compliant, you know? The business process is going to make us compliant, and um, and it it's true with with education and training too. It's like the system isn't going to do it, and I think that is to answer your question. You know what drove efficiencies for 3M and what was the learning is, you know that that we had to understand, um, and this is still really hard to do to get people to stop and take time to do things like journey mapping and design thinking and ecosystem and interviewing and engaging all the users. And, you know, nobody wants to go that slow. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when you do it, and, and again, if I was sitting with a bunch of um, 
other, you know, learning or executive um, uh, colleagues, I would say that it is the best time spent is to sit down and say, let's map out our end-to-end journey. Let's look where the gaps are. Let's understand that. And then let's go look for a system that's going to, um, that's going to help us eliminate those gaps and eliminate those challenges. Absolutely. I think those words are, we speak those words all the time to, to prospective and current and former clients. And I think that's always the, the key thing, no matter, no matter what kind of organization you are, you know, if you're 3M and, and global and, you know, really doing pretty much manufacturing just about everything you can, you can think of or, or, uh, or just a, a small organization looking for their yes. first, first learning management system. It's all about, you know, documenting and understanding business process, what's driving that, uh, where the gaps are. And, and then the technology is, is just going to help define that or, or support that. Um, but it's not going to, to fix it or change it unless there's really true thought behind yeah. um, what your and users need. And I'm smiling. And I think maybe Dave's, I can't tell with that new beard, but if I think Dave's smiling a little is, um, I think I just sounded an awful lot like you when you came and visited several years ago. And uh, I'm like, oh, I learned something, didn't I? <laughs> you know, I, I think we all kind of learned. And, and as things kind of evolve, that, quote, ecosystem, unquote, um, you know, the pendulum swings back and forth. And I think when we first met, most companies were looking for a one-stop shop. They, they really were focused on one thing that could do it all. And, and before that, five years before that, people were looking at the best of breed and how to integrate them. And, and now I think it's kind of combining those two things. Like I do want mm-hmm. to find the right system to do the things, but I'm not naive enough to think that one's going to do it all. And so I want to make sure that I've defined my business so that I can figure out the right ecosystem. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think you, you know, you, you helped us learn and, and we helped you learn as well. And, and, and I think we're, we're coming to that right place from a business perspective that says we want to, we want to look at what we have today and get the most use out of it. But, but if optimizing what we have isn't enough and there's still these mm-hmm. gaps, first of all, based on your words, that doesn't meet our customers. And then secondly, might also not meet uh, our own ability to manage and support we might have to look at a new technology. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I think that gives us criteria for the evaluation that we might not have had before. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Well, Lisa, we, we really appreciate your time um, and, and really diving into the, the, the complexities and challenges that and successes that you and your, your teams have, have had over the years, and especially over the last 12 months or so with, with the changing world that we've been living in and living through. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing what, you know, like I said, what 3M does, I, one of the, one of my favorite things about 3M, um, I, a friend of mine is a, as a rep uh, on the uh, paint supplies for 3M. Oh yeah. Um, and one of the things he always says, and you probably know this exactly, I can't remember if it's three feet or six feet, but he's like, no matter who you are or where you are, you're always within six feet. I think of a 3M I'm- product. I've always heard seven. It okay, might be six feet. now. Yeah. It might be three. I don't know. We've, we've, we've made some acquisitions, so it's probably okay. down to six. But You're working uh, your way down, yeah. But, you Which know, it's just, true. It's true. It's, it's amazing um, to me, yeah. I tell people, you know, if you have a cell phone, it's in there. If you have uh-huh. dental work in your mouth, it's probably in there, you know. Mm-hmm. it's um, Yeah, it's pretty amazing. 
It is, and I remember cool. once once we started um, working with with you with you all several years ago. I, I do this with all kind of blue water clients. Once I see the name, I'm working. Oh, yeah, that, cool. They're a blue water client, and then I start seeing that seeing that logo <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. And then with 3M, I was like, oh my gosh, there's the 3M logo like everywhere I look in my garage or you know something you know whatever it is. So oh yeah, it's really, it's really great to to be able to, to to talk with you today and kind of hear your perspective, especially in the healthcare uh, side of 3M and, and what's going on. Yeah, thank you. It's uh it's a fun discussion and you know, I could probably talk about it the rest of the day, but we've uh we've got more innovating to do, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So one one thing I wanted to to ask just as a fun way to kind of close close it down is so we've been talking a lot about the the pandemic and and mm-hmm. quarantine and being at home out from all of us and I'll start cuz puzzling is is what I've been doing, but I was going to ask uh what what specific quarantine hobby or or kind of thing to get away have you picked up or continued or stuck pick you know been doing because I never did puzzles I never liked puzzles but all of a sudden I do I'm always got a puzzle on my on my kitchen table and I'm working through a puzzle it's kind of what I did over the 12 months of being around so well what what have you what fun things have you kind of picked up or continued to do during the Um, last 12 months well a Big thing for me is, uh, let's see, about 12 months ago, I sold my house and uh, I started the process of building a new house and I moved in um, in February. So I built a house, um, not me personally, but um, (laughs) built a new house. So that was that was the diversion um, of which I'm extremely fortunate and grateful for. Um, The other though, more to your point, I think is reading. And, you know, I was going to talk about that in terms of how we learn. It's like, I'm reading so much more. I'm just like, I joined a book club, you know, so Mm -hmm. reading for pleasure, reading for, you know, education and learning, um, but reading. That's great. Yeah. It's interesting. The different things that people find when they have time on their hands that they find they like, like to do that they haven't done in a long time or or a new skill or, or hobby they pick up. What about you, Tiffany? What are, what is one thing that you started doing? Well, I'm I'm introverted, so this whole staying at home was a thing I like to do before the pandemic happened. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm a gardener. I love mm-hmm. to grow plants and vegetables and my roses. So um, I've obviously had much more time with no travel and all of that. But um, I'm in the garden all the time. Nice. My goats, of course. <laughs> Dave, Dave, other than growing your beard, what what have you <laughs> what have you picked up on? Yeah, that, that's probably the the primary uh, thing, um, and all the things that you can't see that I just kind of keep up in there <laughs> as I eat them. Just, uh-huh. Yeah, what's living in there? Yeah, you have I no, thought I saw I a, a bird beak so. poking out through the bottom there. <laughs> yeah, there you, I, you know, sometimes I pull out like there. There's the there's the pen comes out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we, we used to actually look pretty good on video. <laughs> um, I did. We, I was we, impressed. We, we, went, we went and binge watched, uh, you know, all kinds of TV oh, shows. Sure. And then my wife said, we got to stop. We're watching way too much TV. So we got into looking for games. Um, and so we found some pretty unique games, some of which were long, complex couple of days it would take you to finish or weeks to finish kind of things. And and also just some some unique two player games uh, that that we play that uh, that we like that I probably would have never saw before. So that was kind of fun for us to start a little game collection. 
Great. Cool. Right. Very cool. Well, well, thanks again, Lisa. Um, sure. And, and, and thanks for our listeners today. If, if you are enjoying what you're hearing or, or want to know more, feel free to check out our website, bluewaterlearning.com or, or reach out to us directly. If you liked what you heard today, uh, feel free to leave a comment, subscribe, uh, anywhere you're finding the podcast, um, on, on Google or Apple or Spotify or, or any other places there. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, feel free to please like and, and subscribe and, and comment and leave us any suggestions for what you want to hear in the future or, or any questions you may have from our discussion today. Um, we're always here to, to help and always looking to, to, to dive deeper into learning and talent technology and process and, and what's going on out there and at 3M and, and everywhere else. So Lisa, thanks again. Dave, yeah, Tiffany, thanks, thanks as always. Me. Thanks. We, Good to we see you look again, forward Lisa. To, yeah. yeah, absolutely. We look forward to having a having a follow-up maybe in a, in a year or so, or hopefully before that. Sure, uh, yeah. About That'd about what's happened in the last 12 months and also how our time was at the Minnesota State Fair. State Fair. State Fair yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you so much.